So glad you're here this morning and that beautiful song of worship of Lead Me to the Cross. We pray that you would relax today. You're going to receive a gift at the end, and it's a monetary gift. And I'm teaching out of Matthew chapter 25 today, verses 14. This is a long one, through 30. If you calculate that out with my pace, with three or four verses, we're in serious trouble today. But this is actually the third part of the series called The Way. We're going to talk about the way of stewardship, the way of blessing people because we've been blessed. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about in Psalm 1 that God's Word, uh, we meditate on God's Word, and God's Word leads us to the truth of who He is. And so two paths, two roads, two people in the way, we talked about that. Last week, we were in John 14, we talked about the way. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Not everybody that says they're going to heaven is going to heaven because there's just one way to get to heaven. And we made sure that we understood that last week in John 14. And today we're in Matthew 25. Next week, we'll start another book study called Together for Grace. And I want to use that study to help us to launch into whatever God has for us in the future to receive whoever the next pastor is. But we want to grow together. We're all valuable in the kingdom. We all have gifts and we all have talents that we want to use. We don't want to go idle during a transition time. We want to be triumphant because the victory is ours in Jesus Christ. So Matthew chapter 25. We're going to talk about, this is invest today. This is about the student ministry. This is about the future. This is about the student ministry building. I think we're close, if I understood in the bulletin, we're about six million, about halfway. But you're going to have some creative ways presented to you today of how you can be a part of invest with this message today. We're going to try to make some application. In fact, Cooper Holloman, he already hit me up because he already knows about this because the students taught it and received their gifts in their Bible study time. He already tried to triple his money on me. All I had was credit, so God saved me. So it was good. But you have to be creative in ways in which you see how God wants you to use money. So let's look at Matthew chapter 25, and let's think about this parable of the talents. Jesus would tell about many of these stories. And the issue wasn't so much what does the story mean. The issue was what does the story mean to me? So you're going to be able to make application today. Let me just put a disclaimer. Uh, This involves Israel uh, doing some due diligence on research and history. It involves Israel and their judgment. It involves the second coming of the Lord. Uh, I'll make reference to the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema. That's all in this text, and there's no way I can cover it. So what I'm going to do today is just say I'm going to lift some principles out of this text in application to what we're doing today, as you receive the gift at the end, it's a gift to you. It's not yours, but it's yours to receive and to release the very thing that you receive, because that's what you understand about stewardship. Stewardship is this. We own nothing, right? Matthew chapter 25. See if you can see that in this text. Here's what the text says. Matthew 25, 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like, that's how these parables would go when Jesus would tell them. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability. 
Immediately he went on his journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them. See, some of the students are already doing this. And made another five talents. This is good. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now, let me give you the picture here. So Jesus, let's make application for our own lives. Jesus has put us here. He has entrusted to us gifts that come from him. But there's a day when he's going to come back and we are going to answer for that which we have been entrusted with. Not as an owner, but as a steward because we own nothing. So that's what happened. The, the uh, master is going to give the gifts. He's going away, but there's an accountability when he comes back. And that's where we are in verse 20. So he who had received five talents came and brought five others, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you had to be a hard man. Listen, a wrong view of God will lead you to wrong decisions. That's one of the points. He, he knew him to be a hard man. His view was he was a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was also afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look there, you have what is yours. At least he knew that he didn't own it. It was somebody else's. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we have in this parable some principles that I think we can look at. Because the first thing that you have to understand in this story is you have to ask yourself a question. How much do you own? And I'm going to help you answer this question. I want you to put your hands out like this. Just like this in front of you. And I want you to look at how much you own. I want you to look in your hands. This is how much you own. Nothing. You and I don't own anything. Listen, the air that I just breathed in so that I could speak a word to you, I don't own that air. That air is a gift to me from God. God owns everything. When I look into my hands, I don't think I own a house or I own a car. I don't own anything. 
Uh, the Lord owns everything. The fullness thereof is the Lord's, uh, Psalm 24.1. So we don't own anything. So one of the things that you look at when you invest for the future is you think about a perspective not from an owner, but as a steward. As a steward, I've been entrusted with gifts. I've been entrusted with talents. And so that's the idea of what he's talking about here. But here's what God wants to do with some of us. Some of us have closed fists, and God can't get a blessing into our hands because our hands are closed because owners oftentimes think they own everything and they have a clenched fist. But stewards have an open hand where they can receive that which God wants to give them, but they receive it and realize it's not for them, it's to release to somebody else. And that's what this parable of the talents is about. You see, when God gives you something in your hand, when God gives you a gift, when God puts something in your hand, it's for you to be reminded that every good and perfect gift comes down from above. It is his gift to you. And he did this in this text. The master gave the gifts as he wanted to give, but he had to give them to people that had open hands. Now, I want you to understand in this parable of the talents where it says he called his servants in verse 14 and delivered his goods to them. In biblical times, the servants didn't have anything. In fact, 30 to 40% of the slaves had no opportunity to ever do anything. They were indentured into slavery. So they had no opportunity to promote out of that. They had no opportunity to do anything with money. So the idea is that the master puts into the hands of these servants, the word is doulos, puts in the hand of these servants and delivers his goods to them. So they are a gift. So a proper understanding of grace leads to wise decisions. There are options when you and I receive a blessing. You see, we know that these gifts, these talents that were given came from blessed hands. So the master, if you picture this, which is God, he has already blessed the talent. He has already blessed the gift. So the blessing comes from his hands into open hands that are already receiving the blessing in order that the blessing not might go to me, but that the blessing might go through me so that I can release that blessing for somebody else. The blessing is never for you and I to hold on to in the Christian life. For those of us that have been saved by grace and we have received salvation, we hold on to that gift in the fact that the Holy Spirit lives into us. But our prayer is that we could release the Christ in us, the hope of glory, to our neighbors, to our friends, so that we receive the gift of salvation, but the gift of salvation is to be released through our lives. That's what a steward does. An owner would hold on to it. An owner would spend money on himself. An owner would say, what's in it for me? How can it help me? When I die, I want to have all of my stuff. Listen, your stuff is not going with you. So what God blesses you with and blesses me with is for us to invest in the kingdom. And when we're talking about the student ministry building, many of us will never enjoy it because we'll probably be gone. But the students, the ones that are in this church now, that are the future, they're the ones that are going to enjoy. And you can have a part of somebody's salvation even when you're already gone and in glory. If you can learn to release and not just receive, but release. So that's the first thing. Point number one here is a proper understanding leads to wise decisions. We are stewards. We are not owners. Let me give you an illustration. I have an iPhone, not on me. Tony has it. 
But he has that iPhone. I use my iPhone to call, to text, and to listen to music. But you know what I can do with that iPhone? I've heard. I can fly a drone with that iPhone. But I, don't, I, I can't do that. I, I don't know enough about that iPhone. It's a smartphone. It's a whole lot smarter than me. So there's a lot of potential in that iPhone that never gets tapped because I'm of the school that I just use it to call, to text, and to listen to music. But there's so much more potential in the iPhone. It can do so much more for me. And if you understand the idea of being a steward and not an owner, there's so much potential. Potential is not in what you have done. It's what you are yet able to do. So when we invest for the future, when we have a proper understanding that our decisions are wise decisions because we don't own anything. In fact, it would be like if you rent a house. Many of you rent houses. You treat that house as if you are an owner, but you're really a steward. When something breaks, you call the landlord and they fix it because they're the owner. But the reason you take care of the property is because you have a deposit that you're hoping that you can get back for showing the owner that you were a good steward of the building that they allowed you to live in. So that's the picture here. Option number one, when there's an opportunity, which is in this text, that presents itself to a servant, and the servant knows that the master owns everything, the steward wants to handle what is given to him as a gift with integrity. So the idea is you don't want to die with the things that God has put in you because the things that God has put in you, the things that God has blessed you with are not for you. They're for other people to enjoy. So when we think about this student ministry building, when we think of the mammoth cost of the student ministry building of $12 million and we're halfway there, watch this. There's some five talent people in here. There's some two-talent people in here, and there's some one-talent people in here. And together, we're better. Don't say, well, I'll just wait for the five-talent people to give because they've got all the money. No, the two-talent people need to be obedient and be a good steward of what God's given them. And the people with one talent, if you just have one talent and you have a little in which you can give, God can make you ruler over much. You be obedient to him and you give. It doesn't matter if it's a penny. If you give a penny and that penny is blessed by God and you release it to God, God, God will bless you. If you have a million dollars and you give it to God, but you give it with strings attached, don't expect the blessing. Because when you give in your flesh, God doesn't bless that. But when you give in the spirit, God blesses that because it's his money to begin with. So you've got five talent people, two talent people, and one talent people in this room. So a proper understanding of this text helps us to be good stewards for the future. And thank the Lord we don't have any debt in our church. Doesn't mean we don't have needs. We talk about it all the time. We want you to give to the Lord. So that's the first thing. So when an opportunity comes, we're at a crossroads. And we have an opportunity before us. The opportunity, what happens to a lot of people when God blesses them, is they either don't do anything at all, or they wait too long and the blessing passes them by. So the option is some people don't move at all, and then other people sometimes even do this. They even move too quickly. What we want you to do at Sagemont is what Brother John's taught us all these years. Just do what God tells you to do. Just do what he tells you to do. Be obedient to God. 
It's not my job to bless you. It's not the staff's job to bless you. The blessing comes from God. So we have the same resource and the same reservoir that we get our blessing. You don't use your giftedness and your money to bless anybody here. You use your giftedness and the money that God has entrusted you with as a steward to bless God. And when you give it back to God, he puts it into circulation because he doesn't want us to be consumers. He wants us to circulate that which is already his, that we just find ourselves being a steward of. So all the people in this text had the same opportunity, but they didn't have the same amount. Are you seeing this? So we see in verses 14 and 15 that the servants, it says this, and he gave to one five talents, to another two, and to another one. Can I tell you what that means in our world today? Most scholars believe a talent would be many, many years of wages. The five-talent person would be equivalent to about $7.5 million. The, the, the two-talent person would be equivalent to about $3 million. And the uh, one-talent person would be about $1 million. So this was a lot of... The talent wasn't your natural gifts. The talent was actually money. It was weight and gold. And so it was a gift. Now watch this. That the master distributed how he saw it fit. Well, some of us want to be five-talent people. But you notice what the text says? Notice what the text says in verse 15. And he gave to each according to his own ability. Some of you might be saying, well, I, I keep playing the lottery because if, if I win 10 million, I'm giving 9 million away. No, you won't. God knows not to do that to you. Because he's given according to your ability. And God knows that some people can't handle a whole lot. So he gives liberally the five talent, the two talent, and the one talent all had the same opportunity, but they didn't have the same amount. But the master here told the servants to put your money to work, to put it into circulation. So this is what the opportunity is. The opportunity is always in the now. The opportunity is always existential. The opportunity that is before us as a church in a transitionary time is for us to back away and not do anything. Let the new pastor deal with the building. Why would we do that? Why would we wait? for somebody else to come in, why wouldn't we as the body of Christ just step up and say, God, you still shepherd us. You still love us. You own everything. I'm willing to open my hands and my heart and receive the blessing that you have for me. God, listen, write this down. God does not use what you have. He uses what you give to him. Now, you don't have anything. You don't own anything. But I'm trying to give you an illustration. When God places a talent in your hand, then what he has doing is he's wanting you to turn around and give it to him. He's placed it in your hand so you can turn around and place it back in his hand. It's the power of surrender. It's not the gift. It's the power of surrender. It's, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because the master in this story was looking for someone to participate in the blessing that was already theirs. Do you get this picture? God has blessed us. We have all the blessings in Christ. We've looked at that in Ephesians. So God has blessed us in order that we might participate in blessing someone else by receiving what God has given us and releasing it with hands that are open, not hands with clenched fists. So it all depends on whose hands it's in. God has designed us uniquely as stewards to release that which is not ours. We surrender to the power of who he is. Let me give you an example. A bat in my hand, baseball bat. It's worth about $2. But you put a bat in Bregman's hand and what happens? 
yeah, game two is over. You put a baseball in Garrett Cole's hand, uh, you've got $40 million. You put a baseball in my hand, you've got $5. It depends on whose hand it is in, right? So for you and I as stewards, when we receive what God has so graciously given to us, and he has blessed us with the blessing that is already blessed by his hands. So when it comes from his hands to my hands and to your hands, it's already blessed. And it depends on whose hands it's in. So I don't let the gift stay in my hands. I release it back to the blessor because it's his hands that depends on the blessing. And he multiplies it. He circulates it. He allows us to be a part of the blessing that is already ours so that we can bless other people. So when I think about envision and I think about invest and I think about the student ministry building, I think about how we can just participate together. Now listen to me very closely. We all have an opportunity to be a part of the grace of God. Self-effort and hard work is not anti-Bible. We're to work hard. We're to work diligently, not in order to receive God's grace, but because we have already received God's grace in his favor. I work hard because of who he is. And I work hard and you work hard and you participate in envision and I participate in envision because we want to show gratitude to God for what he's done in our lives. That's why we do it. Nobody is pounding us over the head. We give because God is the biggest giver that there ever was, and he loves us. Now watch this. This is important. I think we can lift this out of the text, and I really want to spend a little bit of time here, and then I'll come home. So one of the things that happens in churches is people get envious of the gifts. Like, for example, if you're a five-talent person, most of us in this room would say, you've got more than you need. You've got enough to last you forever. The only question is, are you going to lay up treasures in heaven or lay them up on this earth? And so what happens is, for those of us, and by the way, I think we're a two-talent church. I think most of us in here work hard. And we pay our bills, and there's times that we struggle. And we're two-talent people. And sometimes we look to the five-talent people going, I wish that the five-talent people could lower the funds. But here's the deal. The two-talent people, that, that are a majority of the people in this church, we can participate in the blessing that is already ours. But one of the things that happens when you get five talents and two talents and one talent is you begin to compare. If you're a two-talent person, you can become bitter and envious that you aren't a five-talent person. But God knows what you can handle. He says, he gave to each according to his own ability. So a two-talent person can also compare and be envious, but they can also have a condescending spirit to the one-talent person and say, well, I've got more than they do. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ didn't own anything. He had nothing. So think about that. It's all of us. It's the five, it's the two, it's the one. It's all of us coming together, not comparing, not being envious, not having a bitter spirit or a condescending spirit towards someone who has more than us or less than us. It's all of us together coming together with the same opportunity and saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? It all depends on whose hands it's in. It all depends on whose hands it's in. So if you think you own your money, then you can close your fist up and you can hoard all of your stuff. And then when you die, somebody in your family is going to deal with all of the stuff that you've hoarded up. 
Or you can learn the blessing of giving, which we've learned at Sagemont, and that's to release to God that which is already His. It's not anything hard. We just simply be obedient to what He does, what He says to do. Notice in this text, each person is accountable for who they are, not for who they are not. Each person that was given a talent was judged based on who they are, not who they were not. You know, that's the way it's going to be one day when the Lord comes back. We're going to stand before Him, not answering for who we were not, but answering for who we were. Not trying to compare and be like somebody else. Listen, there's a whole lot of guys that can preach a whole lot better than me. I get that. I watch them on TV. I listen to their podcasts. But I will not answer for who they are. I will answer for who I am in Jesus Christ. For the gifts, for the abilities, for what he has given me. The little piece of the pie that none of us deserve. None of us deserve the piece of the pie that God gives us. It's by grace that any of us can eat a piece of the pie in the body of Christ. Because anything short of hell is grace. And if he has saved you by his grace, then you have a little bit of the piece of the pie. And God has given you a talent. He has blessed you with something that you can turn around and bless other people with. So the idea is that we will give an account of our lives before the Lord Jesus, not for who we were not, but for who we were, how we handled our money, how the master who entrusted us with gifts, how we release those gifts and those funds through our lives. So there's going to be an opportunity for you to participate today as you get a gift. Some of you may double your gift like the five talents doubled their gift. You may double like the two talent man, or some of you may bury the gift that you have. It just depends on how you look at the opportunity, and it just depends on how much you're going to give in to the opposition, because don't think the enemy is going to go on vacation because we have an envision project or an invest project, or we're in transitionary times. The devil does not go on vacation. He comes to seek, to steal, kill, and destroy, and he doesn't want to take you down. He wants to take you out. He wants to take all of us out, but our victory is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's already won the victory, so when opposition comes, the opportunity is still there because Christ is still on the throne. It's about the power of surrender of my life and my gift to him. It's what it is. Will our church be found faithful as overcomers? And that's where I want to end. Verse 24 through 30, it says this. Well, let me just go. It, it talked about the one who was not faithful. And the five-talent person released what was given to him, and God said, well done, good and faithful servant. The two talent, well done, good and faithful servant. The one talent could have heard, well done, good and faithful servant, had he been faithful at working and investing and moving toward what God wanted him to do. But the Bible says that he had a wrong view of God. Verse 24, says, he was, says Lord, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would receive back my own with interest. So take the talent from him, the one who was not faithful, and give it to the one who is faithful. Isn't that like God? 
You see, when you're faithful to God, when you're faithful in your service, when you're faithful in your worship, when you're faithful when other people aren't faithful, God sees that, he knows that, and there will be a day when the accounting comes, when you'll stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and God will say, well done, good and faithful servant, those things that you did in the spirit, those things that you did when God blessed you immensely, and you released that into the kingdom, and you laid up treasures in heaven, God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, and all the stuff that we did in the flesh will be wood, hay, and stubble at the judgment seat of Christ. We will not be judged for our sins because our sins have already been judged in Jesus Christ. For those of us that are believers in Jesus, that's not what we'll be judged for. But we will stand accountable to God for how he entrusted us with gifts and talents and abilities and how we use that either to lay up stuff here on this earth or we did it to glorify him and give him all the praise and all the glory. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Those of us that are believers. So we have an opportunity not to be overcome by sin, but for sin to be overcome in our lives by the Lord Jesus. And for us who are stingy, I'm speaking to myself, stingy people, for us to be generous like God is generous. To just be generous. To just be blessed. So he says faithfulness will be rewarded. So write this down, and I'm coming to the end. God does not want to give to you. He wants to give through you. He can get a blessing to you if he knows he can get a blessing through you. It's a conduit. We're to be a conduit of his grace, a conduit of his mercy, a conduit of the talents that he is giving us so that we can give him all the glory and all the praise so we can receive it and we can release it. Have you ever seen Undercover Boss? Yeah. These ordinary people who work for a business have no idea that the boss has changed clothes and the boss is in town and the boss is on the assembly line and the boss is looking to see if he has to keep his eye on the people who work for the company or do they have a work ethic on their own. And what happens is at the end of the show, at the end of the event, they reveal that this is the CEO of waste management, if you will, and all these employees, their eyes are open and they go, I can't believe it. And here's what happens. The undercover boss oftentimes says, I'm going to reward you because you have three kids. I want you to know that I know you're struggling. I'm going to give you a raise. I want you to know that all of the college for all three of your kids are paid for because I saw how you worked faithfully on that assembly line, and I'm going to make you ruler over much. Oftentimes there's promotion. Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, one day we're going to stand before God. And, and the idea is that we need to be faithful down here. We need to be faithful with what he's given us, and we need to say, God, use us in incredible ways for the future, the student ministry, the envision, the invest, all the things that you're doing in our life. Because we want to be a blessing to the people who we won't know that we're going to be a blessing to by releasing that which God tells us to give. Now listen, Brother John's taught us this. I remember this from his first financial freedom seminar. We will never tell you at Sagemont how much to give. If we do, that means we have to bless you. We don't have that much power. We will always tell you, get before God, let him tell you what to give, because when he tells you what to give and you give it, it's got his blessing on it and you've got your obedience. That's the way it works. God tells people what to give. So we're going to receive, in just a moment, you're going to get in an envelope what Elizabeth is fixing to tell you, but I don't want to steal her thunder. So you're going to get some money, 
But I want to remind you, this money is not yours. It belongs to somebody else. But it's going to be put in your hands. What are you going to do with what is put in your hands? I want to read you how 57 cents in closing made history. I read this article. I was going to memorize it, but it's too long. And I'm just getting older and I'm not able to. This is a true story. Many years ago, a sobbing little girl stood near a small church from which she had been turned away because it was too crowded. When the pastor of Temple Baptist Church in Philadelphia, Russell Conwell, asked her why she was crying, she replied they could not let her into Sunday school because there was no more room in Sunday school. He said that he would take her in, and he did so, telling her that one day they should have room big enough for all who would come. Unbeknownst to Dr. Conwell, the little girl, Hattie Mae Wyatt, went home and told her parents that she wanted to start saving money to build a bigger church. And they indulged her by letting her run errands for pennies that she saved in a little bank. Dr. Conwell continues with the story. She was a lovable thing, but in only a few weeks after she was taken suddenly ill and died, and at the funeral, her father told me quietly of how his little girl had been saving money for a building fund. And there at the funeral, he handed me what she had saved, just 57 cents of pennies. What happened next is nothing short of a miracle. At a church meeting of the trustees, Dr. Conwell told them of Hattie's gift of 57 cents, the first gift toward the proposed building fund that had barely been spoken of, as a new building had been simply a possibility for the future. The trustees were impressed to buy a lot on Broad Street, and the owner of the lot was approached regarding its sale. In the meanwhile, apparently the 57 pennies were sold to members of the church, Cooper Holloman, and the result was the raising of $250. Listen carefully. 54 of those 57 pennies were returned and put on display in the church. Checks came in from far and wide as this hit the news story, including one check for $10,000, a huge sum of money for that time near the turn of the century. Reportedly, within five years, the little girl's gift had increased to $250,000. In a sermon on December 1, 1912, which honored Hattie Mae Wyatt, Dr. Conwell, founder of what is now known as Temple University, reminded his congregation of the impact of the 57 cents. Think of this large church, he said. Think of the membership added to it, over 5,600 since that time. Think of the institutions this church founded. Think of the Samaritan Hospital and the thousands of sick people who have been cured for there and for the thousands of poor that are ministered to each year. All this was set in motion by the simple gift of a little girl's 57 pennies. Always isn't it true if God could do with just 57 cents, imagine what he can do with whatever we place in his hands. Hattie Mae Wyatt's gift of 57 pennies was greatly used by the Lord. What will you place in God's hand to be used for his glory? It all depends on whose hands it's in. That's this parable. God, do whatever you want to do as we invest for the future. Can I tell you something about the future? It's now. The future is now. 
The future is now for Sagemont. God is alive. Jesus has resurrected. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus. We believe that we have a purpose. We believe that we have meaning. We believe that before the foundation of the world, God had planned a work for us. And when we step into the destiny of what God has planned for us before the foundation of the world, we can walk out His will in our lives. And we can be generous people who love God and love people and willing not to hoard stuff, but to release it into His kingdom.